of our church. We have Pastor Keith Tusi um, and Tony Nardella as one of our lead ones that I have uh, worked with for many, many years, and Pastor Joe Warner. Um, I just want to say for probably 20 years now, Tony and I have been going throughout the nations. Um, he, many more times than I have, uh, I've only been on 61, and he's probably been on 151. So, um, but he's been throughout the world, and uh, certainly has been a friend to this church. Been an elder at Freedom Fellowship before we sent him out to plant a church in Claremont. Um, he raised up uh, a pastor and elder underneath him, and turned the uh, church over to him. And so now he's back to his uh, main key areas, which is uh, serving churches throughout the world. So we are glad to have you here. Welcome, Tony Nardella. Well, thanks, Pastor Pat. And good morning, Freedom Fellowship. How you guys doing? You know, I mean, I like preaching. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's hard to have a dialogue. I prefer dialogues over monologues. And that's what the connection groups are about, right? You know, we, you know, when if you were in school and you never raised your hand to ask a question about something you didn't understand, well, you probably weren't going to get a really good grade in that class, were you? Because aggressive, you know, and if, you know, if you don't take a step and try to engage and learn, then you're going to not prosper as well as you might otherwise. And I'm just so glad that the church is offering so many different kinds of connection groups so that you can invest and go deeper. And so, guys, I really want to encourage you to do that. Uh, the best thing, that every, just about everything awesome that's happened to me in my spiritual life has happened in a home group. So, enough said there. Um, wow, well... Uh, good morning again, and uh, I give you greetings from my beloved wife, Emily, who was really looking forward to being here, uh, but uh, she fell ill uh, Friday night, and uh, so we're going to pray for her to get better in Jesus' name. Amen. And she is feeling a whole lot better this morning. Um, but yeah, so we're, you know, it's like I've been hanging out here a lot this summer, and this is good. Yeah. Love this church. Love, love y'all. Um, I've got a word this morning about, uh, it seems like it was every song y'all were singing was resonating the same theme. And it's about finding rest and peace in the Lord. You know, there's a lot of Christians out there that come to church. Um, but how many are working, walking in real peace? How many are walking in real rest? And when something happens unexpectedly, or something happens that's just awful because that's life uh, that we, we forget everything we just sang about his reckless love how we'll chase down anything to get to us and we freak out we have any freaker outers here yeah. it's, kind of, it's kind of human it's kind of natural but I got good news for you Jesus do, doesn't want you to freak out he's got something better Hmm. Yeah, we're going to look at that today. He wants us all to live in peace. You, don't, you know, you don't have to wait till you die to have rest and peace written over you. Because Jesus' arms want to hold you right now. And he wants you to rest in him and have peace. Even in the midst of trouble. So, am I, grabbing, am I getting some attention here? 
I hope so. Because I'm telling you, if you listen to what the Word of God says in this area, it will absolutely transform your life. So let's have a word of prayer, and then let's jump into the Word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that you are so good that you didn't leave us as orphans, that you you want us to know you as Father, that you want to care for us as a Father, that you want to teach us as a Father, you want to provide for us as a Father. Lord God, we are so thankful, Lord, that as you brought us into this world, Lord God, You wanted to maintain connection, a loving, powerful connection with us. And Lord, we receive that. Lord, help help us, Lord, today to have ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. And Lord, uh, help me to speak the word as I should. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so John 14, 27. It's a very familiar passage, isn't it? It said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Isn't that interesting? That's one of his key promises to us, isn't it? This sounds really basic, but we're going someplace. But the first thing you've got to know is the foundation, right? God doesn't want you to live in terror. He doesn't want you to be freaked out by a spirit of fear. He wants you to live in his peace. And you can But I'll tell you right now, it's a supernatural thing. It's not a natural thing. The Christian life must be lived supernaturally. You must believe for supernatural intervention. That's called faith. You know, we're Christians because we believe in a very supernatural event that happened 2,000 years ago. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus just came to the planet and walked around and taught us nice stories helped a few people, and then died and stayed dead. I couldn't promise you much, could I? And his promises would kind of fall flat. But wow, he, his father did not let his Holy One see decay. And he raised him up, and he still lives to make intercession for us. He still lives to intercede on our behalf. He still lives to intervene on our behalfs. He's not a dead God. He's not a God that's just in a book called the Bible. If if the Bible says, it says that the testimony of the Bible is that God always talks to, cares for, and loves his people. And he intervenes for them continuously. It doesn't matter what you read in the Bible. That's what you're going to find. But let's see how we can tap into that better. Because you know what happens is you go to you go to church and you know we're look, as Pat said, we I've been all over the world, he's been all over the world, and there's not many places that are as blessed as we are here, all the way across the board. And it's easy for us to think that I've got life under control. So when that thing comes out of the left field, we go, Oh my god, what is that? You know, we work real hard to get it under our control don't we? Mm Mm-hmm. But the Lord says, I've got something better. You know, people overseas get in touch with this better, I believe. The poorer they are, the more they get into it. They know there is no plan B for a sickness, for example. That was the thing that really struck me on my first mission trip. There were so many poor indigenous people where we went to the Amazon in Peru. 
And when these people came forward for prayer, I think of one woman who had uh, a blind eye. She was crying out, groveling almost, crying out to the Lord, Lord, how am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to take care of them? She didn't have health insurance. You know, I don't know if she had cataracts or what her problem was, but there wasn't any eye doctor that was going to be able to help her because that kind of money was far beyond her reach. And the Lord healed her that night because she prayed. It was amazing the number of healing miracles that happened. And I was just part of a team with my mentor just watching all this stuff. And just my first mission trip just blew me away. God does miracles on a regular basis for those who love him, believe in him, and cry out to him. And I'll tell you, desperation has something to do with it. But, you know, it doesn't mean we need to get desperate before God will do stuff for us. But I'll tell you what, it sure helps. So that's something I've learned. But um, let's take a look at one promise in particular in uh, Matthew's Gospel in chapter 11. You're all very familiar with this. So it's up there, Matthew 11, 28, 29, and 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I hope you've heard that before. I hope that's kind of been buried a little bit in your heart. You know, the Word of God does not return empty. You know, what the Word of God is like a seed. And if you receive it, and you nurture it, and you grow up, and it's going to bear fruit in your life. There is a law of sowing and reaping in God's kingdom. And the more you invest in his word and the things of God, the, more, the greater a harvest of peace that you will reap. The peaceable fruit of righteousness, it says in one place. It's a beautiful thing, and I highly commend it. So, let's, you know, something we've lost, it seems, in the uh, modern church in some places, is the uh, desire to memorize scripture. I really want to commend that to you especially this one right here, if you're dealing with any of these issues at all. But let's break it down a little bit. Come to me. That's how he starts. It's an invitation, right? But what if you say, no, I'm not coming to you. Oh, there's something I have to do. How about that? You want peace? Then you've got to go to Jesus. He's inviting you. But you know, a lot of us kind of... You know, I don't know how intentional or conscious it is, but a lot of us, we go through life and we just expect everything to be handed to us. You know, there's kind of an entitlement mentality in a lot of different ways, and sometimes that's good. But in spiritual matters, you know, we ultimately have to recognize the truth I recognize on the day that Jesus came into my life. I came to the conclusion... And the Lord spoke to me that Jesus was God and the Son of God. And I was an atheist at the time, so that was kind of hard to swallow. But I was searching. And so I just sat there in my, my house, and I looked through the ceiling to heaven, prayed for the first time in over five years, and I said, well, I guess you're God, and I'm not, and i got to obey you. You know, there's a submission to who is rightfully in authority that is a foundation of 
everything we do in Christianity if you wanted to be real Christianity. You cannot be the Lord of your own universe and still appropriate the benefits of God. I remember uh, we saw a picture of Rick Paladin up there and Rick and Natalie came here and did a, a marriage conference about 10 years ago. We were here and I remember the funniest thing they said. Um, they were teaching on marriage. My wife and I are there and we're taking, my wife and I are there and we're taking notes. And so Rick and Natalie, they said, there's three little words that you need in every marriage. And I'm thinking, I know what those words are. And they both said simultaneously, die to self. <laughs> Man, that was like one of those, you know? I'm thinking, oh, I love you. Say I love you a lot. But, you know, you really can't love anybody really well if you're alive to yourself and dead to them. You know, we, we go through th this process of discipleship that you all were talking about earlier is learning more and more how to die to yourself and live to him and live for him. And what he wants to do is use you to bless everybody else. He says, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that all these things will be added to you as well. In other words, you seek doing what I want you to do, loving other people, building up my kingdom, living a more righteous life. And all that stuff you go around worrying about, like how sick I am, or how poor I am, or how my boss don't like me, or how they're picking on me at school. I mean, that's all important stuff, but God says, I've got your back on that. If you'll seek me then I'll take care of you. And that is faith and makes absolutely no sense to the human mind. It's a supernatural step of faith that you have to believe that God is really going to keep his promise. But if you say, no, I just can't trust anybody, including God, with the things that are most important to me, then you will never know peace. We have to come to Jesus and acknowledge that he is the greatest person in the universe, that he has set up this whole world just so that we can know him better, but he wants us to truly trust him. I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but this is too much fun. So come to me. Okay, so the first thing is we got to get up off our emotional place of just sitting there and say, you know what? I'm going to take a step toward Jesus. So I don't, know, I don't care where you are in the Lord, whether, you're just, whether you've been walking with him for 40-something years like me or whether uh, you're still sitting there kind of wondering whether he's worthy to be trusted. And Actually, you can walk with him for 40-something years and still wonder if he's worthy to be trusted. Come on, let's be honest. You know, because he's promising some pretty outlandish things. But I believe in the supernatural. I've seen him do it so many times. Amen. And even if I didn't, you know, Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe, right? But I've been blessed because I have seen, I still believe, but it's a fight. Sometimes it's a fight. Oh my gosh. But, so I got to go to him, and then I got to acknowledge something. All you who labor and are heavy laden, how many of you guys have to work? Even if it's school, right? Young people? That's work. I remember studying until 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. I remember one, one time when I was in college, 
I, I stayed up 24 hours studying for an exam. Don't tell me that's not work. That's work. Heavy laden. If you, you know, look, life gives us weights. It does. And it doesn't mean you did anything wrong necessarily, just, you know, it's kind of what happens. And so Jesus is not inviting the people necessarily who've got it all together in their own minds. He's inviting the people that he sees the burden on them. He sees how hard they're working. He says, hey, I got something special for you. Come to me. And what will he give us? The next part of that is, I will give you rest. You know, part of uh, the Christian experience that I've seen in many people, including yours truly, is that Jesus makes so many absolutely incredible promises of good to us, and I wrestle giving them. And I will give you rest. Come to me. I'll give you rest. But you know, we're freaking out over that diagnosis we just got. We're freaking out over, oh my gosh, I got too much month left at the end of my money. I can't believe the boy that my daughter's dating or whatever, right? Actually, I do have good news. Take, take a little break here, commercial break here for a moment. Um, I'm going to be officiating a very important wedding, important wedding this Saturday. My daughter, yes. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. But you know, you worry, we worry about all this stuff. And it's okay to be concerned. It's okay to be discerning. God does not want us to be ignorant and ignore the reality that's around us. But he does want us to react better. And part of that reaction is to rest in him. No matter what comes, he's got us right here. No one's going to take us out of his hands, right? But now here's a key that many of us can have some difficulty with. Let's go to the next verse. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke. No, we're not talking about egg yolks. A yoke is the thing they put on, on, the, back, on the shoulders of animals, like oxen, so that they can be um, guided, or dare I say, controlled by the person who put the yoke on. So I was watching, as I was preparing this message, I was watching a YouTube video from somewhere in Eastern Europe. Of, these guys just wanted to show what it's like to plow with oxen. I mean, you can find anything on YouTube, right? And, you know, this guy, he puts, actually he had two oxen and puts the yoke on them. And then he's got this big blade on this thing behind him. And he's got handles. And he just lets those big oxen just pull that blade through the dirt to turn it up so that the, the soil is fresh. For that, so they can plant seed. And it's inter it was interesting to watch that uh, those oxen did not have a choice about where they could go. They probably wanted to chase some butterflies or squirrels or go look for some water um, or whatever. But once he put that yoke on them and he had the handles, it's kind of like putting a bit in the mouth of a horse with, you know, bridle and the reins, right? He just goes like this, and they had a turn. 
He went like that and they had to turn that way. Now, there ain't anybody here that wants to hear that analogy applied to them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Come on, man. We're all independent thinking people. We think we know what's best for our lives, don't we? But Jesus wants to put a yoke on us. And in fact, he's inviting us to take it. Not just wait for him to beat you up a little bit because you're going too far astray. He wants you to choose. God, I want to learn from you. Teach me your ways. Put this yoke on me and I will humbly submit to where you are leading me and where you are guiding me. And after a while, maybe I'll figure out how to do it without the yoke. Oh. But take my yoke. Come on, Discipleship 101. You can read it in Matthew 16, Luke 14, but basically, see if I can quote from memory, it says, it says, if you want to come after me, Jesus says, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. You cannot be a disciple unless you make that decision to die to your own agenda. And so what happens is, many of us, <laughs> we refuse to put the yoke on, or we disobey in a certain area of our life. We're doing what we want to do instead of what he's guiding us to do. And then we wonder why God's not blessing what we want. But you know, God's no, under no obligation to bless us whether we're doing what he wants or not. Because he's God and we're not. Right? He chooses to bestow his love and his grace and his mercy upon us. It's his choice. And nowhere in the scripture does he promise to bless people who are living in rebellion against him. God is angry with the wicked every day, it says in the Old Testament. Now, when you choose to do things which are not in the will of God, there's no rest. In Isaiah, it says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Well, I'm not wicked. Well, okay. Maybe you're not. Maybe, actually, at core, I think we all are, without the grace and love of Jesus, changing our hearts. But how is he going to change your heart if you're not submitted to his teaching? He wants to put a nice, gentle yoke upon us to guide us and teach us his ways. And we are not to be stiff-necked and say, no, I'm going to do it my way, and you've got to bail me out anyway. See, there's that American arrogance that kind of slides in. You don't see as much overseas, at least where I've gone. There's a certain part of us that says, I'm going to do it my way. My mom loves Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Well, you know, it makes my hair stand up every time I listen to it. I mean, I, I like the dignity of being a man or a woman of principle, but I don't like the idea that I can decide what's best and what's God's will for my life by my own personal choice. Isn't that... I mean, there can only be one boss of... There can only be one boss in your life. It's either you or it's him, right? True. But we're talking about a way to find peace. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So
teaching mechanism, is it not? You can find that also in Titus 2. It says, for the great, in chapter, you know, Titus 2, chapter, verse 11, it's one of my life verses the Lord gave me many years ago. For the grace of God that brings salvation, and salvation means teaching you and showing you how to live and better in every way, and also healing your body, saving your soul, forgiving your sin. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age. In this age. Amen. Many people think, well, I'll get my life together when I'm in heaven with Jesus. No, he wants to teach you how to live right now. He doesn't want to leave you in the mud that you're in. Because one of the great lies of Satan is that you can live any way you want and your life will actually be better than the way God wants you to live. Sin is deceitful in every form. There is no better outcome for your life than to do what he's telling you to do. And so, among other things, I would commend Dr. Ray's and Christie's home group. You want to learn how to live by the Spirit? You want to learn how to hear his voice? That's going to be a great help to you. But at the very least, read the Bible, right? If it says, you know, Jesus says, uh, you know, it used to be said, thou shalt not kill. But now I tell you that if you call your brother a fool, you know, you're guilty of pretty much the same thing. So we, gotta, we have to learn from these things. Well, Lord, I, I, can't, I just can't stop getting mad at people. I just can't stop cussing them out. Well, that's a good confession. Take it to Jesus. It says, but I believe that you came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Save me, Lord. I don't want to have that kind of mouth. I don't want to be triggered so easy. Right? But you've got to take it. You've got to go to Jesus. He's inviting you. Praise the Lord. Now, why can we learn from Jesus? Why can we take this yoke upon us without freaking out just by doing that? Because he says, he is gentle and lowly in heart. Now, what does it mean to be gentle and lowly? It means that if I'm gentle, I'm never going to use my power or authority to abuse you. I'm lowly. It's hard to imagine this, but Jesus... Doesn't think, I'm going to make sure I say this right. He doesn't think a lot of himself. You know, he didn't even consider equality with God something to be grasped, Philippians 2 says. But he humbled himself to the point of becoming a servant and dying on a cross because he didn't th he thought that anything else would be too good for him. If Jesus has that kind of meekness and humility, we can trust him. He is not going to abuse us. It's true. There's a lot of lies that float in our head about, well, you know, you give somebody authority over you, and here's what they do. And that may be true among some human beings. And I think we've all been in situations, the older you get, the more you've experienced, where people have used their power not for your benefit, but against you. I get it. We've got to forgive him and move on because Jesus says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. That's also a faith statement. Do you believe that Jesus will make sure that justice is done in the lives of those who have hurt us and abused us? If you don't believe that, it's hard to forgive. But if you do believe that, you can rest 
and you can say, wow, I know they just really stuck it to me. But God's going to deal with them, and I pray he does, and I pray that the blood of Jesus covers their sin and that they will repent of their sin. Because you know what happens to people who don't repent and put their trust in Jesus? You know, there's a place called hell that nobody likes to talk about anymore. But it's part of God's justice. He isn't all just love. And thank God, there are people who do wicked, nasty things without repenting. And if they never, ever repent, even though they've been shown the love of God and taught the gospel... If they don't repent, they're going to burn in a sinner's hell forever. I know that's not popular teaching. I guess that's why you bring in the outside guys to teach. Right, Pat? I'm not really an outside God. I know you do. But you know, you, you know, really, God doesn't want to send people to hell because, you know, you get some kind of kick out of it. People are going to go to hell because justice demands it. I do not want to be in heaven with unrepentant murderers. Think about it. The people that are going to be worthy of that age are the ones who have learned to die to themselves and trust in Jesus and everything. And they're going to be humble and they're going to be meek just like Jesus is. And we're going to be able to trust them that they're not going to abuse us. Otherwise, heaven wouldn't be heaven. Think about that. So, I can trust Jesus with being my instructor in life. I can trust him even to the point where he puts a yoke on my shoulders and says, hey, Tony, I want you to plow this way. But God, I don't want to go that way. Come on, just trust me. It'll be good for you. And then I got to say, yes, Lord, you've always been good to me. You've never let me down. You've always been faithful. I can trust you in this. Well, Lord, I don't like this path we're going down. I don't like what, what I see happening around, a, around me. Trust him. For all, yeah, Romans 8, 28, still in the Bible, right? For all things work to the good for those who, are, who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. He will work it out for our good. Now, here you go again. It says, and you will find rest for your souls. So now, when Jesus says something once, it's gospel, Right? When he says something twice, I mean, take it to the bank. You will find rest for your souls. Don't you want to have rest right here? It doesn't matter. Stock market's crashing. Gas prices are going up. Wrong people are in office. It don't matter. None of that can steal your peace unless you give it away. I trust God. My trust is not in... Republicans or Democrats? My trust is in Jesus. Now, I have preferences and what I think would be better. But my trust is in the kingdom of God. And I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And if you trust Jesus, you are too. Come on. Let's take a look here now. At, and he says, um, For my yoke is easy, verse 30, and my burden is light. Really? Oh God, that just feels so heavy on me. But Jesus is making a promise here. And we really need to grab this by faith. 
even though you're going through a tough time or may go through a tough time in the future. Jesus is saying his yoke is easy and the burden is light. It won't be that big a deal to be a disciple. It's the only way to, to find peace and he's telling you it's nowhere near as hard as you're imagining it to be. Now there are men and women in religious circles who want to make it seem harder than it is. I grew up in one of those churches where everything was do this, do this, don't do that. You know, there's all these rules and regulations that were swimming in your head and you felt easily condemned if you missed one of them. But that's not the heart of Jesus. Now there are rules, but there's no rule that isn't found in the command to love God and love your neighbor. It's all there. Keep it simple. Is what you're doing loving or is it hurting somebody else? Is what you're doing loving God and giving Him glory or is it bringing you glory? You know, it can get pretty simple in the Lord and He's telling us that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. All right. Okay. Let me get back in my notes here. So, I've already said that to really be a recipient of God's rest, you need to have faith and you need to have meekness. Meekness enough to let our Heavenly Father guide us in our steps. Amen? And we need to have faith enough to believe that what he's promised, he will accomplish. You know, they kind of, I, I just love teaching this, but in James it says that uh, even the demons believe and they shudder at the thought. Just because you have an intellectual understanding that there is a God, and you believe that intellectually, does not mean that you have saving faith. In Hebrews 11.6 it says, Now without faith it's impossible to please God. For everyone who comes to him must believe that he is and, oh there's that and, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So at core, it comes down to whether we have taken internally the belief that God is a rewarder, that he's a blesser, that he's the one who coined the phrase, it is better to give than to receive. Think about the character of our loving Father in heaven. He wants to give all the time, even at great cost to himself, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We must renounce the idea that intellectual agreement that God is God and Jesus is His Son is enough to get through life. It is not. When I talk, I, I believe in my wife. Now, I, I do believe that I have a wife, but that's a different thing. I believe in my wife, and I know her after so many years. I mean, she surprises me from time to time, but basically I know her character, and I know I can trust her. And she's just a frail human being. But God, the Bible, 
has thousands and thousands of years of testimonies that all say the same thing, don't they? And God in our lives has proved to be true over and over and over again and has rescued us countless times from all kinds of troubles. Now maybe there's some of you who have not had the joy of walking with him much. I promise you, it's the best decision you ever made to put your trust in Jesus. He will never, ever let you down. He's, going, he's letting you off the hook for all the punishment you deserved for all the rotten things you may have done at one time or another. Are you talking about me? Yeah, yeah, you've done something rotten. There's somebody you had a grudge against. There's somebody you cussed out once, even under your breath. There's none that is righteous, the Bible says, not even one. We all need the mercy and the pardon that we get in Jesus. And he chose to do that, not because we're so good, but because he's so good. And that is like foundational humility. We must acknowledge that we need a Savior. And that salvation isn't just with, always with the you know, magic wand. It's a process of sanctification. It's a process of putting a yoke on. And come on, Jesus, teach me your ways. I'm ready to serve. Show me what to do. Show me your ways. That was one reason why the Jews in the desert, even though they had seen God deliver them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm from the slavery to the Egyptians, they saw ten plagues come on the Egyptians, and the last several never even came close to them. God made a big distinction between his people and the ones that were oppressing them. They went through the Red Sea like it was on dry land, and all those chariots and engines of war were swallowed up in the sea. And people drowned. And they were rescued. They ate every day the manna that dropped down from heaven. Every day they were miraculously provided for. And yet, when it came time to get into their promised land, the place of rest... They chose to fear and freak out and not listen to the good report of Joshua and Caleb. Oh, the, the other one, 10 of the 12 spies says, there's giants in the land. We, we're in our eyes, we're like grasshoppers to them. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can take the land. The Lord is able to do it through us. But they chose to believe their fears. They felt more comfortable with their fears them with taking a step of faith and trusting God, even though they had such a history of miracles behind them. So, in Hebrews 3, and we'll end with this, in verse 7 through 11, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness when your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. Don't you dare think that God is a different God today than he was in the days of the Old Testament. The scripture is 100% clear 
I don't care what the theologians say. That these things happen to us as examples so that we would not fall into the same traps that the Jews did. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And these Jews had everything going for them. They had a history of miracles and signs and wonders. God was guiding them through the desert. And yet when push came to shove, when it finally came time to enter into the promised land, they said no. And you know what happened? It says in the scripture that their bodies fell in the desert. They were supposed to get into the promised land after a year and a half. They never, that group never entered the promised land. They had to wander aimlessly without purpose in the desert for 40 years. And the kids that they thought the giants would kill were the ones that went in to take possession. There is a consequence to choosing not to enter into his rest, to not learning his ways. But I believe much better things for you all and for me because his grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in my weakness and yours too. When you're weak and you don't know what to do and you don't think you have the faith to believe for anything, you just confess it to him and you say, Lord, I know you're great and awesome. I'm having a hard time applying to this situation in my life right now. Will you build my faith? Like the, the man said to Jesus at one point. He says, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to be wrestling with fears and concerns. But it's not okay to stay there. You must fight your way into trusting him. And I'm telling you, based upon the scripture in Matthew 11, he is going to train us and teach us, first with small things, and then bigger things, and then bigger things, so that you're going to be equipped to handle whatever comes your way in life. But you don't graduate from 12th grade without studying grades 1 through 11. You have to walk with Jesus. You have to take his yoke upon you. You must learn to feel the nudge on the yoke when he's steering us. You must learn that. You must learn the, what that sounds like, what his voice sounds like, what his nudges feel like. Sometimes I call them Holy Ghost speed bumps. You ever feel like you're going to do something and all of a sudden you just feel, wait a minute. Uh, it's good to pay attention to those. It's good to pay attention. Because God wants to have direct communication and relationship with you. And I know that's hard. And most believers struggle with that. And honestly, I struggle from time to time too. But you know, he has a variety of ways of getting his word and his information to us. The first thing I'll say to you, if you want to hear God's voice audibly, if you want to see visions or have dreams where he is instructing and guiding you, then I, I believe you've got to eat the Word of God. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to read it even when nobody's telling you to read it. You've got to read it because you're hungry for what He's going to say so that your life can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, I exhort you, read the Bible. And the more you read the Bible and the more you press in and the more you pray, even early in the morning, the more He is going to guide you Woe to us if we think we can navigate life, and even 
Christian life without being guided by His Spirit. In Romans 8 it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if you're not led by the Spirit, what does that mean? Well, it's okay. There's no condemnation, also says in that chapter, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Get in Christ, take on His yoke, and let Him teach you. Amen? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Mm. I want to pray for two groups of people. The first group is people who want to really want to take a step forward in faith. They want peace and they're willing to put the yoke on. Are any people, are any, is there anybody here like that? Mm, everybody's frozen. Hey, there's one. Come on up. Come on up, sister. Why don't you come on over here? I'm going to pray for you here. And if there's anybody else that wants the peace of God in your life, you've heard the word today, it resonates with you, and you want to have the grace of God to launch out into a more clear method of discipleship, taking his yoke upon you, then come forward and we're going to pray. What's your name? Seneda. Seneda. Yeah. Okay. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Can I pray for you? Yeah. Okay. You speak Spanish? Yes. Okay. You want to do Spanish? What's better for you? Spanish. Spanish is mejor? Si. Is it okay if I pray in Spanish, Pastor Pat? Okay. Padre, en el nombre de Jesús, yo te doy gracias para la vida de mi hermana aquí, Señor. Y yo te pido, Señor, que te le llena ella con su paz. Que ella podría tener uh, reposo en ti, Señor. Que ella podría descansar en sus brazos, Señor. Yo, Señor, yo, yo creo que ella quiere aprender de ti. Que ella quiere uh, aprender sus caminos. Enséñala, Señor. Ella tiene un corazón dispuesto a oír y obedecer. En el nombre de Jesús, yo mando las bendiciones.